and welcome to the Peaceful Pastures podcast, finding peace in the pastures, spending 10 minutes each day with your shepherd. I am Pastor Daniel Lewig, and this podcast is brought to you by Christ Countryside Ministries, the regional ministries of St. John's Hill Point, Trinity Lime Ridge, and Bethlehem Richland Center. On day two, we capture the context. We recognize our world today is just a little bit different than the world at the time of the Bible. There are customs, practices, idioms, descriptions of locations that are lost on us. On this day, we take the opportunity to explore the context of the chapters in front of us. Yesterday, we listened to chapters 45 through 47 of Genesis. Let's explore what's taking place surrounding this lesson. But first, let us begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, blessed are they who hear the word of God and obey it. Amen. Chapter 45 of Genesis embodies God's providence, God's plan. We mentioned in the previous couple weeks of of podcasts here, the previous chapters covered, as we looked at the story of Joseph, as we looked at his life unfold, we referenced Wait till you see the rest of the story, right? Here we get those chapters. In chapter 45, what is it that Joseph highlights other than God's providence? Despite being in slavery for over a decade, despite a a, a plan that would take so many years and days to unfold, When Joseph looks at his brothers who now come before him, everything is laid out in front of him. What is it that he sees? What is it that he expresses? Yes, he tests his brothers. He tests his brothers because he wants to make sure that they don't harbor that same attitude and jealousy towards one of their other siblings. But what he expresses is the full picture, the full clarity that God was in control the entire time. This was all done by God's doing, by God's plan, that whatever was done with a sinful attitude or a sinful heart or evil reasons, God has worked out for not only the good of Joseph, not only for the good of the the brothers and for eventually for his father, but for the good of a nation, for the good of the world. This was all God's design as part of his complete, intricate web of planning out what was needed for the world at this time. And Joseph, despite being sold into slavery, is at the heart of that plan when the time comes. Yes, chapter 45 gives us that full depiction of God's providence. And as you read that chapter, you see Joseph getting it. You see him understanding exactly not only what had taken place, but the why. In chapter 46, we get to God's vision. As word reaches Jacob that his son was not dead, but was alive. As 
This is the reason why Jacob is to pick up and, and move and go to Egypt to not only see Joseph, but how his family would be provided for in the middle of this extreme famine that would go on for seven years. To go to a place where his family would be cared for, provided for, and that his son, who he thought was dead, was actually the one in charge of distribution of grain to help keep everyone provided for. As, as, as Jacob made this journey, Notice the significance of the name change. As we look at chapter 46, we don't just see the the name Jacob. We see it changing to Israel. We remember in our history, as we've studied Genesis, that was the special name that God gave to Jacob. He told him that you will be known as Israel. That's that name that mentioned one that wrestled with God. In that name, God made the promise that that would be the nation that would come from him, from his descendants, the nation of Israel, a name given not only to Jacob, but what would be his descendants to come. And so here, as Jacob gets to the town of Beersheba, the significance of that town, this is where Abraham lived for 25 years. Isaac built an altar there. It's at the very edge of the land of Canaan. And so when they stopped there for the night, Jacob could easily have been wondering, this was the land he was supposed to be in. This was the land that was promised that he knew from his grandfather Abraham to his father Isaac, now to him. He is now leaving that promised land. Could there have been doubt or hesitation and wondering whether or not he should do that? God makes it very clear. It has been a number of chapters. It has been quite a long time since Scripture records appearing directly to Jacob. And that is what happens here. He appears to him in a dream and tells him that this is his design. This is God's plan. He wanted he wanted Jacob to know that his promise to the patriarchs, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that it was reaffirmed that the stay in Egypt would be temporary and also part of God's plan. And so with that name Israel, we have that picture of what is being prepared for Jacob's descendants. And in this chapter, we also see the descendants identified. We have the listing of the chosen nation. The reason for this listing of names, it all connects with the founding fathers, the intention of showing the founding fathers. This is the the 12 tribes of Israel. Again, the book of Genesis highlights identity as one of those overarching themes. The first people that would have heard, heard these first five books of the Bible were those who were just at the edge of the promised land. The book of Deuteronomy, if we go a little later into the Old Testament, is a series of three sermons that Moses gives as the people of Israel are on the edge of the promised land and on the edge of receiving what it is that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
part of that identity in Genesis is identifying for those people as they are as they are there to remember who it is that they are to to see their origin story to see how how their god is the god of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to see their 12 tribes their their history to see how god not only had control of their past not only of their present but also of their future This is all part of that origin story that is listed here. In the chapters, it also mentions that the Egyptians had a lower standing, a lower opinion of those who raise sheep. Our People's Bible gives this description in saying, ancient Egyptian inscriptions express contempt for cattle raisers. It seems this country, with its advanced culture, considered shepherds to be the lowest class. What it says next here is the reason why Joseph wanted them to still, despite that status, despite that low status, why would he want his brothers to go to Pharaoh and say, this is the only profession we have, the only one that we've known, with the idea that this is what they wanted to stay, despite that low opinion? Well, here's what the People's Bible says. Joseph did not want Egypt to be a melting pot for the people of Israel. They were to remain separate and not become Egyptianized. Joseph therefore wanted them to live in Goshen, an area removed from the mainstream of Egyptian national life. Maintaining their occupation as shepherds would help to serve that purpose. In all of this, God chose Egypt to be the cradle for his chosen nation. At the end of this chapter, as Jacob arrives, we reach a significant marker. As we come to the close of the the history of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as they now come to this land of Egypt, and at the end of our chapters, 17 years would pass, since Jacob moved to Egypt. As God would bless them, not only through this famine, but would help them grow into a, to bless them to be a large nation. It would now be 400 years before Israel would return to the promised land. That is how much time takes place between the end of Genesis and the beginning of Exodus. During this time period, it was important for this nation to remain separate. It would be a part of their hardship during that 400-year time. But God would preserve the identity of his people. And even though Pharaoh might have encouraged a different occupation as with the high regard that he had for Joseph, this was all part of God's plan to keep his people separate and preserve them until the time would come when he would call them to return to the promised land. In all of these chapters, we see God's guiding hand, his providence, his vision, and his protection for not only Israel himself, but for the nation of Israel. It is interesting to note, as Jacob, when he's asked by Pharaoh, how he says his life was one of hardship, he never got away from 
the definition of his name, Jacob, the heel grabber, the deceiver, deception would dominate most of his life. Remember, he spent 20 years cut off from home, run away from home as a result of that deception with his brother Esau. And during that 20-year time, he would be cheated many times by his uncle Laban. And then he would spend 22 years of his life where he thought his child was dead as the rest of his children deceived him into stating that Joseph was dead. It's interesting that most of his life is in turmoil with deception. So when he says the difficulties that he's had, when he describes it as being a difficult life, if you look at the history of Jacob's life, there's a lot of truth in that statement. But despite all of that deception, despite many of those things coming as a result of Jacob's own decisions and parenting decisions, there is God in the middle of it all in the middle of a parent who struggles to treat his kids equally, in the middle of siblings who let their own sinful hearts and hatred cause such family strife for decades, as you see this complete mess of a situation and mess of a family, there in the middle of it all is the loving, constant God who is planning everything out for their eternal good as he keeps his promises to Abraham to Isaac, and to Jacob. There is God in control of all things, even as this massive famine would ripple through the entire region and world at that time for seven years. In the midst of all of this, in the midst of being sold into slavery, in the midst of a false accusation of, of rape, in the midst of being put into prison, there in all of this is God working everything out in the best possible way not only to preserve the nations around them to be ready for a seven-year famine, not only to redeem Joseph and to to bring his status back, not only to what it once was, but to make him the second most powerful man in the nation and the world, not only to bring the rest of his family there to protect them and preserve them, not only then, but for the, the, the years that would follow as they would grow into a nation. Here's God's guiding plan in full view, the one in all the chaos who had everything under control. And we give thanks for that provision, that protection, that vision as God would guide his nation not only then, but in the years to come and with us today. This wraps up today's podcast. We invite you to join in next time and take the opportunity to share our podcast with someone in your life who could use some peace in the pastures. You can find our podcast on all major podcasting platforms. If you have any questions, feel free to contact us at Christ Countryside Wells, W-E-L-S, at yahoo.com. Our podcast is brought to you by Christ Countryside Ministries, the regional ministry of St. John's Hill Point, Trinity Lime Ridge, and Bethlehem Richland Center. Music used with permission from Koine, part of their soundtrack to Oh That the Lord Would Guide My Ways. You can find their music on iTunes and many other online musical stores. Scripture used in this podcast is from the Evangelical Heritage Version, 
used with permission from the Wartburg Project. This is Pastor Daniel Lewig wishing you God's richest blessings on your day.